Hi, this is Jonathan Tiersten from The Perfect House and Sleepaway Camp, and you are listening to The Real Nerds Podcast. Hey, Real Nerds listeners, your favorite host Ryan here to remind you that social media is great. How great is it? There's many ways you can find The Real Nerds on social media. You can download us on iTunes. You can listen to us streaming on Stitcher Radio. You can call us 720-6NERDS5. Oh man, our website is so cool. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You want to leave some fan mail? Oh, that's so easy, realnerds at gmail.com. Twitter, we got it, at real underscore nerds. You can even like us on Facebook. Thank you so much, and hey, enjoy the show. Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic Con 2016 and beyond. I am Ryan, and you are only getting Ryan tonight because I am left all alone, which is either good news or bad news. I don't know. We'll find out together if I am able to carry a conversation by myself for an extended period of time. Every week on Real Nerds Podcast, we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. This week, I actually went and saw two movies. I went and saw Bridge of Spies, and I also went and saw Crimson Peak. So you will get double the pleasure of the reviews from me. So hopefully you'll have fun. I've also decided to change the format a little bit because I am by myself, and I'm going to make this maybe not as long as a normal episode, but at least as fun as a normal episode. We'll see how it goes. I'm not sure. So besides the normal stuff that we're gonna, I usually do... Um, tell you what's playing at the Alamo, movie news, what's coming out, things I've been watching. I'm also going to tell you my 10 most favorite movies of all time. I might have done this on an earlier podcast, but I don't remember, as this is podcast episode 225, if I'm counting correctly. And I could be wrong, but it is definitely over 220 episodes. And maybe Brad, when he gets this and edits it, can make it more interesting and fun for everybody who is listening at home and wants to have more fun than just listening to one person talk for an extended period of time. But it's about movies, and it's about fun. Um, You know, we started this podcast five years ago, and this is the first time I've been by myself on it, because Brad is out filming a feature-length film. He's actually a DP on a film called Trauma. And James is busy doing his real job. So the stars align for everybody to just... Listen to me talk, the sweet sound of my voice. So we're going to start this off how we always started off, and I'm going to tell you what is playing at the Alamo in Denver. Hello. Hi, I'm Kevin Smith. Hi, I'm Leonard Malton. Hi, I'm Mark Hamill. Hi, I'm Elijah Wood. This is Seth Rogen. I'm Chris Thurman's boss. I'm Martin Starr. Welcome to the Alamo Draft Night. Last time I saw you, I played it cool. Now someone's been right Burn off your cell phone. Don't talk. Don't text. Don't build a birdhouse. Don't be a foley artist. Quit asking your girlfriend what she had on her salad. Okay, is it your living room? You talk or text during the film, I will punch you. You can fly them to the yard and then go cut their tongue out. Have a good watch. Bye. 
Alright, I've said what you want me to say. Will you release me now? It's a big week for the Alamo in Denver. Uh, we have Heart Like a Grenade. I have no idea what it is, but it is a film they are showing. Um, Attack on Titan Part 2. Part 1 was there a couple weeks ago, so they're going to be finishing up Attack on Titan. Uh, the Beer Dinner this week is Crimson Peak, a film I saw this week. Uh, Back to the Future Marathon is also playing, so you'll be able to watch all three Back to the Futures on the big screen. Swamp Thing, which is Wes Craven's film from 1980, which is a comic book movie and also a horror film. And it's uh, it's a fun movie. I would definitely recommend going seeing that one. An underrated horror film is also playing, I think, believe it's from 1981 or 80. Uh, the Changeling, which is uh, a ghost story, which is a really good film if you have an opportunity to see it. Henry, the Portrait of a Serial Killer, which John McNaughton is also playing. It's uh, Michael Rooker is, is, is the title character in that, and it is a very creepy film. Mile High Sci-Fi is going against Poltergeist as well. Dismember at Alamo is also this weekend, the October 23rd. So just a bunch of horror films. Afternoon Tea is Bright Side. And a fun little film that is a horror film that uh, kind of slipped under the radar but has become a cult classic. May, with the director Lucky McKee, will be playing as well. So if you want to see a different take on basically Frankenstein's monster, uh, I would definitely check out May. And then Lucky McKee will be there as well. So that just adds to it being lots of fun. Remember, you can purchase your tickets online at alamodrafthouse.com. It's very recommended because their shows do sell out, and they have reserved seating because you can also get food there and wonderful drinks. Just lots going on at the Alamo. Uh, It's our favorite place to see movies, and uh, lots going on this week, so make sure you get your tickets online. Awesome. So now I'm going to veer off. I'm going to go a little different because I'm guessing this is going to be a short episode because I have no one to play off of, and... So no one can disagree with me, and I'm going to be right on everything. So I'm going to do something completely different, and I'm going to tell everybody what my 10 most favorite films of all time are. As I take a drink of my soda water, maybe Brad added something cool there. I have no idea. He could just put this up, and there'll be this weird long pause, and you'll just hear me drinking fluids. And that will be a horrible intro for my 10 favorite films. But I'm hoping that by reading you my 10 favorite films, maybe it will give you a little insight to my personality. Uh, I'm a big horror movie fan, but I also really, really like um, comic book movies, and I'm a sucker for Disney animation. So uh, those are sprinkled throughout. Uh, we'll start with my number 10 film, and this is a film that is James's favorite film. And uh, my number 10 film is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Of course, everybody knows it's really Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. But before then, they didn't know it was going to be such an iconic character. And everything about this film is fun. From an adventure standpoint to Harrison Ford's iconic turn as Indiana Jones, the music, the really cool set pieces, everything about this film just screams cool. And I love it. I can always watch this film, so... You can't go wrong with Indiana Jones. Number nine is my favorite film by my favorite actor. Uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is Robert Downey Jr.'s kind of return to form. Uh, He had a lot of trouble with 
addiction, which is very well documented. But he never really lost his ability to be a, a captivating actor. And around this time, he was in Gothica, and he had a small part. And he then he got this lead part in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, written and directed by Shane Black. And it never really caught on with audiences, but it slowly developed a really big cult following. And I remember renting it at Redbox many years ago and falling in love with it. And to this day, it's still my favorite Robert Downey Jr. movie. Um, he plays a con artist who cons his way into a movie and is playing a cop. So he teams up with Val Kilmer's Gay Perry and they go on this adventure. It's kind of a film noir and it's really a really clever film. It's funny. There's also some sad moments in it. Um, it, it's just, it's a really great film. It's my favorite Robert Downey Jr. film. Uh, number eight is Alfred Hitchcock's classic Psycho. To me, it is just one of the most well-made films. Uh, the music in it is first, first class all the way through. The direction obviously goes without saying. Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates is maybe one of the greatest villains of all time. Um... Just, uh, there's so many moments in that film that stand out. Everyone points to the shower scene, and yes, that's a really great moment in the film. But my favorite scene is when the detective is going upstairs, and he is attacked by Norman. And the way the camera follows him as he falls down the stairs after he gets slashed in the face, I think is just a really, really cool, classic moment in film. And the movie's just really good and creepy. Number seven is another horror film, but it's... A horror comedy, and it's uh, a romantic comedy. And I remember seeing this film at the Mayan, I believe, in Denver. And this was before it really caught on. Uh, number seven for me is Shaun of the Dead. I love zombie films, and this one was a great homage to it, and also kind of made it its own. Um, it focused on normal people in the zombie apocalypse. A lot of times the zombie films focus on a doctor or some military guys. Um, this was just two bumbling drunk guys and their adventures throughout London and getting in trouble. And with the great direction by Edgar Wright, everything in this film is just spot on. It's funny. It's gory. Um, there's some great moments in it with Sean and his mom and Sean and his girlfriend uh, the movie's just really cool, and it's one of those that kind of came out of nowhere, and I was so glad that I saw it with a small audience when I did. Number six is The Empire Strikes Back. I, I know that's on a lot of people's list, too, but it's one of those films that when you see it, it it's what a movie should be. You know, the bad guys win at the end, which is different. Um, there's the shocking twist ending, and also it's just a, a movie that I connected with with my father. My dad loves, loves Star Wars. And, of course, The Empire Strikes Back is a high note for the trilogy and for the whole series. So I'm really excited for the new one to come out. I hope it can live up to it. The Empire Strikes Back is just the ultimate Star Wars film. Uh, number five is another Steven Spielberg film, and that's Jaws. Jaws is such a great film, and even if you take away the shark and the, the scary moments in it, the character moments in it, whether it's Quint or Chief Brody making faces with his son, everything in that film is just hits the perfect beat. Um, it's shot so well, and what makes the film even more amazing is when you learn about how hard it was for everyone to make the film. It wasn't an overnight success. It was over budget. It was over schedule. And for it to come together and be totally awesome and 
just be one of the most crowning achievements in film is a testament to how great of a director Spielberg became uh, from that film. Number four is a film of mine that every time I watch it, I cry. And I've seen this film, I don't know, 20, 30 times. Just everything about this film is beautiful. It is the pinnacle for Disney animation for me, and that is Pinocchio. Pinocchio, to me, is everything an animated film needs to be. It's beautifully drawn. It's wonderfully acted. The songs in it are catchy. The story has tons of heart. The, the little boy in it... Uh, Pinocchio is super cute, and like I said, I cry every time I see it. I know what's going to happen during the film, but it still gets me every time. And I don't think there's a more beautifully animated film out there. Um, as film progresses and the technology gets better, yeah, things might look nicer, but nothing is drawn better than Pinocchio. Uh, the underwater effects alone are amazing, and when you think that this film came out in 1940, it makes it even that much more impressive, so... Pinocchio, to me, is the greatest animated film of all time. Number three for me is, I know I've told this story a lot on the podcast, but I'm going to repeat it in case we have any new listeners out there. Um, number three for me is, I think, the greatest horror film of all time, and that is Night of the Living Dead. I was taken to a local Walgreens by my grandmother, and there they had 99-cent video cassettes, and in these video cassettes... There was a few movies, and my brother's got, I think, cartoons or some really cute film. I, of course, <laughs> grabbed Night of the Living Dead, not knowing what it was. It just, I thought the title was provocative and spoke to me for some reason. So I picked Night of the Living Dead, and when I watched it, I could never watch the ending. It was too scary to me. The part where all the zombies break through the the farmhouse and start pouring in is a part where I had to stop watching it. I always, 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 always got me. And as I got older and I was able to watch the ending, I understood how important the film was and how great the film was. And to this day, I think it's the greatest horror film. I think it's the scariest movie ever made. Um, it just all around a, a great film. And if you ever have the opportunity, it's one of those films that you have to experience and see. Um, you know, it's in black and white, and people say, oh, how can a film from 1968 be scary? Trust me, it is a scary film. It is well done. It, it preys on all the fears you have, being alone, being overwhelmed by a horde of monsters. It's just a really great film. Number two is not going to be a surprise to anybody who's also listened to this podcast. I, I love a comic book character above all, and uh, my number two film is Spider-Man. And while there is the argument that Spider-Man 2 is maybe the greatest superhero film of all time, uh, to me, Spider-Man is more important based solely on the fact that it was made, and it was made by my favorite director. And not only made, but it was made very well. And it took the Green Goblin, and it had Spider-Man. And I'll remember, I remember being in the theater and just being in complete awe that I'm watching... Spider-Man on screen and I'm watching all this stuff happen just blew my mind. Everything about Spider-Man blew my mind. And one of my most favorite moments ever with a film is I went and saw it at midnight at a local theater and the next morning I had to go to my job and I passed another theater along the way and I knew it had an early, early showing of Spider-Man. And 
as I drove by the theater, the line wrapped around the building, and it was so exciting to me for there to be that many people excited to see Spider-Man, as, as excited as I was. And then I knew that there was going to be more Spider-Man films, and it just set off the comic book movie craze, and it was just at the right time, and it was just so cool to see my favorite director have such a big hit, and it to be with my favorite character. Everything about it just got me super excited. And I've said it many times before, my favorite film of all time to this day is Army of Darkness. It's silly, it's fun. The most important thing of always is having fun. And this movie has uh, tone problems, it's inconsistent, but at the heart, everything about this movie is just super fun. I love the playfulness. Obviously, I love Ash. I'm super excited for the new series to come out to see Bruce Campbell play Ash again. Um, Sam Raimi knows how to move cameras. It's funny. Um, there's some scary moments in it. Army of Darkness, I just think, is the greatest film of all time. Uh, so, yeah, there's my ten favorite films. Hopefully, it gives you a little insight to me. Uh, I hope you had fun as I revealed them. Uh, I had fun remembering them and telling people about them. So... That is Ryan's 10 favorite films of all time. And thank you for indulging me. Uh, like I said, I'm the only one here, so I had to think of some sort of content to fill up more space, and that's what I came up with. Uh, if you have any films that you think I missed or you think are completely off base, uh, go ahead and send them to at RealNerds on Twitter, and um, I'll read them on the show. You can email us, realnerds at gmail.com, and uh, I'll let you know next week if uh, I get any hate mail for my top 10 films. Um, so let's get right into the show. Um, you know what? I'm the only one here, so I am going to start with real news. It's real news! Real news is kind of light this week. Nothing too exciting going on. Um, Die Hard 6 is happening, uh, directed by Len Wiseman. He directed Die Hard 4. He's also directed the Underworld film, and uh, he's, he's a cool director, the Total Recall remake. Um, but it's not going to be called Die Hard 6. It's going to be called Die Hard Year One. It's going to take place in 1979, and it's basically a young John McClane uh, fighting, I don't know, street pimps. I don't know what's going on in the 70s in New York, but John McClane is taking out trash. Uh, hopefully it'll be a fun action film, and it'll be rated R. We'll have to wait and see. Um... But I guess Bruce Willis is going to be in it a little bit. They're going to tell it in flashbacks. So it'll be kind of fun to see how he becomes the John McClane we know and love. Uh, Mark Ruffalo is going to reprise Hulk in Thor Ragnarok. So Thor 3 will have Hulk in it, which makes sense. I think it's a way maybe for them to get in, maybe a Planet Hulk kind of film. Because um, if you remember at the end of spoilers for Avengers Age of Ultron, Hulk kind of just goes away on the Quinjet, so, I mean, uh, fuck, why can't I remember the name of the Avengers, uh, Jet, is it the Quinjet, or was the X-Men one? Man, my nerd card is being revoked as we speak, I can't remember, but, uh, that's where he'll appear next, he is not in Civil War, so it'd be interesting to see how he helps or hinders Thor's, uh, progress in the new Thor film. Um, Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters, which, of course, was James's top ten film from 2013, one of his top ten films, uh, was going to get a sequel. They even hired a director, 
But now they're talking about maybe it going to a TV show, which, I don't know, man. I kind of want to see another film. I want to see Jeremy Renner and uh, that lady, Gemma something, <laughs> take on more witches in an R-rated setting. Uh, but we'll see. You know, they put Ash vs. Evil Dead on stars. Maybe they'll put it on a really big uh, cable network and we'll be able to see uh, the gore and stuff that I hope there would be. And the last bit of news I have, again, slow week, is Rosario Dawson is playing Batgirl, one of my favorite comic characters in Lego Batman. So excellent casting. Rosario Dawson is a very fine actress, and I have no doubt she will do a great job at uh, Batgirl. All right, let's, uh, let's dive into the Blu-ray releases for next week. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Uh, the big release for next week is Jurassic World, a movie that James hates for some reason because he doesn't like dinosaurs fighting. I don't know. Um, I mean, T-Rex fights that genetically engineered dinosaur at the end. I think that's pretty awesome. But again, what do I know? I'm easily entertained. Um, Back to the Future 30th Anniversary is coming out. Um, I, what makes this one cool is it includes the animated series. Uh, the 25th Anniversary did not. There's two Scream Factory releases that are really cool this week. Uh, they're both collector's editions. They're the Tales from the Crypt films, Demon Knight and Bordello of Blood. I'm really looking forward to seeing those on Blu-ray. Uh, Z for Zachariah is also coming out, a film I wanted to see with Margot Robbie and Chris Pine. Um, the 50th anniversary of the How the Grinch Stole Christmas is coming out as well. And also, Spit on Your Grave Part 3, which I don't remember there being a Part 2, but evidently there is, and it was successful enough to release a third part. Um, so yeah, those are the movies that are coming out next week. Jurassic World I, I have coming, um, and I will be getting Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight, and Bordello of Blood when I have more money, and I'm not stuck in school all the time. So remember, you can log on to digitalbits.com, and click on there and order them, and you'll help out their website. That's where we get all our information for releases for on those. All right, man, moving right along, moving right along. Uh, so this is the box office predictions for next week. Show me the money! Next week is hard. It's a hard week for me to predict because we have five new movies in wide release. Uh, the first one is Gem and the Holograms, which a lot of people don't like the trailer for because they say it betrays the original show. I've never seen the original show, so I don't know anything about it. I just know it doesn't look that good. The Last Witch Hunter, starring Vin Diesel, which looks like Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters, but trying to take itself seriously. So I don't know how cool that's going to be. Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension, is supposedly the last of the Paranormal Activity films, and it's revealing everything about the ghost that Toby, I guess is his name, that terrorizes a family. Again, I... I'm not a big fan of found footage, and I don't know revealing all the secrets from the Paranormal Activities is going to be a good idea, but we'll see. I don't know. Uh, Rock the Casbah is also coming out. It's Bill Murray's new movie. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't think that one's going to do very well. And Steve Jobs, which I think is the one that the real nerds are going to see, is the Aaron Sorkin, uh, Danny Boyle new film about Apple's founder, Steve Jobs. Um, if I had to guess the number one film next week? I don't even know. Um, 
I could even tell you. I, I, I'm lost. I, I'm, my, my gut says it's going to be paranormal activity. Um, and I'm going to say paranormal activity is going to do 22 million, followed by Gem and the Holograms with 18 million, then The Martian with 15 million, Goosebumps with. No, I'll go Goosebumps 15 million, The Martian 12 million, The Last Witch Hunter 10 million. Steve Jobs, ten million, and Rock the Casbah, seven million. Uh, those are complete guesses. I have no idea if they're going to pan out, but no one else is here to argue with me, so I'm right. Ha ha ha! I'm right. All right, now it's one of my favorite times of the show. What I've been watching, not we. I am all by myself. So what I've been watching. Are either one of these any good, sir? What? Are either one of these any good? I don't watch movies. A slow week at the Old Frost household. I was very busy this week, but I managed to get in a few things. Uh, the Walking Dead returned with its sixth season premiere, and it was uh, it was a cool episode. It was pretty big, uh, it, and it was told in an interesting way. It was showing the immediate aftermath of season five, which Rick uh, killed the town member that... I can't remember his name. Man, that sucks. Uh, anyways... The guy who was married to the lady Rick had a crush on uh, went and killed Deanna's husband at the town meeting. So Rick went ahead and killed him at the same time Morgan was showing up. And at the same time we were dealing with the immediate aftermath of that, they're showing uh, a herd of walkers. Now if you're not familiar with the comic book, a herd of walkers is hundreds of walkers that converge together. And they were stuck in this rock quarry because these semis were boxing them in. And that's what kept the town of Alexandria relatively safe. I remember Rick saying he didn't understand how so little walkers would make their way over town Alexandria. And it turns out they were all stuck in this like rock quarry. When Rick saw this, he decided that they needed to do something about it because eventually the walkers would get out and they would be ill-prepared. So we kind of thought of an idea where he would herd the herd, and he would lead them from, basically away from Alexandria, and they'd build walls and get there. And the story was told really cool. The flashbacks were in black and white. Uh, the immediate aftermath of Rick killing the guy at the town meeting. And then all the stuff with them moving the herd and getting ready to fight the herd was done in color. So it was kind of an interesting style choice, directed by Greg Nicotero, who's made a really good name for himself directing films, I um, mean, uh, episodes on The Walking Dead, using his wonderful background in makeup effects and gore. He, he's really good at knowing where to put camera, making the action scenes really tight. Overall, a really strong episode. Uh, I'm excited to see where it's going. It happened really big, and it ended with a horn blaring from Alexandria and the herd walking that way while they're trying to drive them away from it. So uh, Rick and the rest of the crew are in trouble, and so we'll see where it picks up after that. The most excited release from last week for me was Aladdin, and that's Disney's Aladdin, because it's one of those films that I grew up with, and I've always loved it. Uh, I loved how great the animation was, the music in it. Um, it's just It's one of those films that, for me, defines my childhood, and it hits all the right notes. Uh, the genie, of course, played by Robin Williams, is super funny and uh, a great, great character. I 
I, I really enjoy this film, and it's really cool that Disney finally got around to putting it on HD and on Blu-ray because the film looks amazing. Uh, the colors pop on it. Uh, the sound is amazing. It, it's second to none. What they're able to do with their animated films when they put them on Blu-rays, Disney basically remasters them in 7.1 surround sound, and I, I've never heard Aladdin sound better. Everything is crystal clear. Um, the songs thump, especially A Friend Like Me, uh, is one of those great songs that just screams to have surround sound. It, it was just lots of fun reliving those moments. Uh, the Blu-ray has some really cool features on it. It ports over all the original features on the Diamond Edition Blu-ray. I mean, DVD. Uh, so those all come within. It comes with about 20 to 30 minutes of new material, mostly focusing on the genie. Uh, rightfully so, he is the breakout character of that film, and it's kind of a nice tribute to Robin Williams, who sadly passed away, and so it's kind of cool seeing his process, because they do a couple outtakes with him, and uh, he is as crazy <laughs> recording voices as he is doing a stand-up routine, and it's really fun to see him in a recording booth, and kind of just going at it. Uh, so I recommend picking up Aladdin, I recommend picking up all Disney animated films, when they, especially when they put them out on their Diamond Edition where they're going to take the time and make sure they, the film looks great, it's totally clean, uh, the sound is A+. Everything about it is just top-notch. Top-notch. Everything that Disney did is outstanding on the Blu-ray. So it's definitely uh, my Blu-ray of the week. Uh, and uh, the last thing I watched this week is Insidious Chapter 3. I'm a, I do really like the Insidious movies. Uh, the first one is really strong. The second one, not quite as strong as the first one, but still a pretty uh, good ghost story or demon story or whatever you want to call it, possession film. Um, Lee Wenhall is the writer of the previous two films, and he's actually given a chance to direct this film. Uh, he plays Specs in the Insidious films, so he's also the act an actor in them as well. Uh, this one is its interesting that it's called Chapter 3, but it's actually a prequel to the first two films where... Um, this young girl is trying to contact her mother who recently passed away and she thinks her mother's trying to reach her and she's pretty sure she can hear him, uh, hear her. So by her answering her mother, it's kind of opened up other demons from the world that's called the further in the universe that Insidious cre created. And uh, she's unaware of that and she goes and sees Lynn Shea's character, Elise, and Elise is no longer contacting the further because of something that happened to her husband. Um, but when she realizes that this young girl named Quinn is in trouble, she decides to help her because she realizes that her mom isn't the one contacting her. It's a demon, and the demon is latching on her to kind of uh, take her soul. And you find out through the course of the film that this demon slowly starts taking away who you are, and eventually these people that the demon latches onto kills themselves and he collects them in this apartment complex that Quinn and her family are living in. And the film is pretty good. It, it's really well shot. Uh, Lee Winhold does a really good job of making the most of his first feature film direct, directing gig. Uh, it's very atmospheric. The camera moves really well. Uh, he had James Wan, who's an executive producer. I'm sure he helped him, or being around him enough really helped him make the film what it is. I uh, I really liked it. It relied a lot on jump scares, which I don't like, 
because one, I don't think they're scary, and two, I think they're just distracting to the film. And I've seen so many horror films, I'm pretty sure I've seen this, said this before on the podcast, but I've seen so many, I can almost predict jump scares, and I can predict the beats that they happen. So to me, they become distracting. But the demon in it was really cool is this old man who had an oxygen mask, and his feet were like of tar, and it just, it looked really cool. The film looks really good. It is a step up from Chapter 2. Uh, just a slight one, because Chapter 2 is still a, a, a good film, but it's not quite as good as the first one. So it's a step up. Um, I'm interested to see where they go with uh, the series next. I think they have a lot of opportunity, obviously, because of who the characters are, and with the further. Hi, buddy! And, of course, my little boy is going to show up, because he's part of the podcast. Um, I don't know if he liked Insidious Chapter 3 like I did. We'll see. Um, so, yeah, the... Insidious Chapter 3 is a pretty fun film. I would recommend it if you are a fan of the previous films because they're, they tell a complete story, I guess I can say. All right, we've made it to the end of the show, and hopefully I haven't put you to sleep by being the only one here. Uh, it is interesting because I have nobody to disagree with me, so everything I say is 100% accurate on this edition of Real Nerds Podcast. Nope. So we have... Now, that's my wife yelling at my son. She's not saying that she disagrees with me. Uh, so I saw two movies this week. Uh, the first movie I saw was Bridge of Spies, which is the new Tom Hanks, Steven Spielberg film. And before we play the trailer, since I'm the only one here, I guess I should just say if you'd see it or not. Uh, yeah, you should definitely see Bridge of Spies. It's a very well-made film. Um, it's not Spielberg and Tom Hanks' best collaboration together, but... Uh, saying that is like saying it's the worst vanilla ice cream you've had. It's all really good. It's just you like one more than the other. Uh, here's a trailer for Bridge of Spies. They've got our guy, our spy pilot. They've got their spy. We want you to negotiate the swap. I'm an insurance lawyer. Are you good at what you do? This will be a first for the both of us. You should be careful. Do you know how people will look at us? The family of a man trying to free a traitor? Every person matters. Why are we hanging him? He's a star! We need to know what the Russian is telling you. We're not having this conversation. Don't go Boy Scout on me. We don't have a rule book here. We call it the Constitution, and that's what makes us Americans. Where do they want this negotiation? East Berlin. People in my country consider this an act of war. The next mistake our governments make could be the last one. Standing there like that, you remind me of a man when I was young. Our house was overrun by border guards. And this man, my father's friend, he was beaten. Every time they hit him, he stood back up again. They hit him harder. Until he got back to his feet. I think because of this, they let him live. And I remind you of him? Standing man. Standing man. In the film Bridge of Spies, Tom Hanks plays a lawyer who is just an insurance uh, lawyer, but he's given the task of defending okay. someone who no one else wants to defend, and he is a Russian spy who the FBI 
has detained and put on trial. And everyone knows that he's a spy, and they basically want to get the trial over with because, you know, it's in the height of the Cold War, everyone's living in fear, and nobody wants this gig. Tom Hanks's character wants the gig because he decides that it's important, even though he might be an enemy, that everyone is afforded the rights of the Constitution because that defines who America is and who they want to be uh, and who the rest of the world is watching. So he does do that. He goes, he defends him uh, as well as he possibly can, and he tries to find loopholes in the FBI search, and he does, but the judge doesn't grant him the right to suppress the evidence that they found because he doesn't believe they did it illegally, even though they did. So it's a really interesting story and about one man's standing up to the for the right of somebody who maybe doesn't deserve it, but in the American system, he does deserve it. And uh, Tom Hanks is great in it, as always. He plays a guy who, who's unassuming, but when he is confronted with this problem of defending an enemy of the state, he does it so in a way that you'd hope everyone gets defended in the country. And the scenes when they get to Germany are really uh, heartbreaking and sad. It's right at, when they're building the Berlin Wall. So at the same time, there's an American student who gets put in prison. And Tom Hanks decides that he's going to get them both out. And the way the movie unfolds is really cool. It's, uh, you know, Tom Hanks doesn't back down. He stands up to not only our government, but also the Russian government, you know, trying to say that there's good things for everybody. And you can't, just because you believe someone's guilty doesn't mean that they're not afforded the rights of, of every person in America. And the movie's really well done. Um, like I said, it's not the best collaboration between Hanks and Spielberg, but it's still a really good movie. I, I, I definitely think everybody should go out and see it. Uh, I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, just seeing Tom Hanks being on screen and giving rousing speeches is enough to make me go see a film. And there's even tension at the end when there was a prisoner exchange. Uh, who's Just like the rest of the Cold War, you're waiting for someone to make a move. And who's going to make the first move? Who's going to blink first? Who's going to cough first, who's going to make the first mistake where everyone is going to freak out and cause a, an apocalyptic ending to the world because uh, someone shot a gun first. It's, it's really fascinating, and it's hard to think that there was actually a time in this world where we had to do that. Um, I, I, I really like the film, and yeah, I recommend everybody seeing it. The second film I saw this week was Guillermo del Toro's Crimson Peak. And yes, Crimson Peak is another film you should go see. Here's the trailer for Crimson Peak. Ghosts are real. That much I know. I've seen them all my life. What do you mean, 
my sister. I don't think she's the right choice. You have to trust me. Thomas, your bride is frozen. I run you a hot bath. the house that are unsafe. What was that? The house as old as this one becomes in time a living thing. Never go below this level. It starts holding on to things. Has anyone died in this house? Specific deaths, violent deaths. In your own best interest, proceed with caution. Keeping them alive when they shouldn't be. If you're here with me, give me a signal. She knows everything. Do we have to do this? Must we? Yes. You have no idea what they do. What do you want? I have to leave. You have nowhere else to go. This is your home now. Crimson Peak stars Jessica Chastain, Mia Wasikowski, and Tom Hiddleston. And it's basically a send-up of old-school gothic horror. Uh, the film is beautifully shot and beautifully constructed. The sets in it are amazing. I, I can't get over how well this film is made. Um, in it, Tom Hiddleston plays a gentleman named Thomas Sharp. And he is in America trying to procure money for his estate where they have a red clay farm or mine underneath where they, what they use a clay for is building brick. And his family's fallen on hard times and he's trying to raise money so they can get money and share it and make the, the bricks and just be wealthy again because he's a baronet and, uh, and he needs the money. Mia Wasikowski's character is Edith. And she is a, an aspiring writer who finds it hard to get her work taken seriously because she is a woman. And Jessica Chastain plays Thomas Sharp's sister, and I can't remember her name right now. Um, maybe it'll come to me uh, later on as I'm talking about the review. Anyways, uh, so she's in America with uh, with her brother, and eventually Thomas Sharp falls in love with. Edith, and against her father's wishes, uh, he decides he's going to marry her, and through a series of unfortunate events, she does end up marrying him and moving to England at and moving into the estate of the Sharps. While she's there, she starts getting attacked, isn't the right word, but I guess haunted by ghosts that live throughout the home, and you don't know if they're friend or foe. Some seems like they're warning her. The others seem to want to attack her. 
the movie is starts slow. It builds characters really well, but it plays like an old school gothic horror film, which I think Del Toro was going for, where it's not all jump scares. It's the atmosphere is creepy. The characters are creepy, and everything they do is for the right reasons. And as the film starts spiraling and getting more and more horrific, the the characters start slowly revealing themselves and it's handled super well and it's very well done. Um, it's very, it gets violent and gory and there's some messed up parts. And I, I really like this film. I, I it's, it's one of my favorite horror films of the year. Uh, there's been a, a, some few really good horror films this year. So um, it, it's, it's been a strong year for, for horror films and this just adds to it. Uh, again, I can't say it, though something about red blood and white snow just looks really cool. And of course, Del Toro is so great at putting the camera in the right place and making it look wonderful. And his production design team and his DP, they all are on top of their game. All the acting is really great. Tom Hiddleston is so good at being charming and somewhat sinister at the same time. I can't recommend this film enough for horror movie fans. So if you want to see a great horror film, I would definitely go check out Crimson Peak. Well, there you are. You made it through an episode with just Ryan, and I hope you've had fun. I know it's a short episode, but again, I have no one to talk to. I feel all alone. I'm looking at a candle here, and it doesn't talk back. But I hope you had fun. Um, I had a lot of fun doing it. I hope you were entertained. I hope you like my 10 favorite films. Again, if you don't, make sure you send in why you don't like them, and we'll talk about it on the next episode. I'm, I'm guessing next week I'll have people on the episode with me. Um, we are probably going to go see Steve Jobs, maybe another film because there's lots of films coming out right now. Uh, as always, from all of us at The Real Nerds, we hope to see you at the theater, maybe the Alamo in Denver. Uh, and until next time, bye! Visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can tweet us at real underscore nerds. You can email us even realnerds at gmail.com like us on facebook hey stream us on stitcher you want to call us 720-6nerds5 and download us on itunes just search real nerds thank you joe kempter for the wonderful voiceover and also spark mandrill for the wonderful late night jazz smooth sounds of movies you can find them on soundcloud this has been a nebulous visions production